what's up, you guys? It's me bringing you another episode of Media Vigilantes. Um, I'm your host, Anna, A-N-A-L-L-A-M-A-S. And uh, today we're going to talk about something that's a little bit more serious, but I feel like it should be talked about more because when it happens, you know, you never end up seeing it. But um, I will forewarn listeners that this podcast does have very heavy, sensitive topics that might not be comfortable for other listeners. So if you have a problem, if you have problems with uh, body issues, body dysmorphia, um, more specifically suicide, considering that's what this podcast is about, um, I suggest that you continue listening to another podcast, perhaps, because that's the main focus. I'm just here to spew facts and just commentary about what's going on in South Korea behind the glitz and the glamour. To start off this podcast, um, I want to share a personal little anecdote. Um, I have been a fan of Korean pop music, Korean media in general, and it's uh, it's I love it. You know, it's it's a good way to release tension or whatever. Because when you see these K idols, they're happy. You know, they're flamboyant, they're bubbling, they're they're just everything a person would expect from a K star. So, um, you can imagine my surprise when I woke up on December 18th, 2017, to just several, several people on my timeline, specifically on Tumblr, just reblogging and reblogging the suicide prevention hotline. Naturally, when you think about something like that, you're like, oh, I I guess it's just, you know, uh, maybe it's like suicide prevention day, you know, stuff like that. But um, I scrolled further and I saw that people were talking about Jonghyun, Kim Jonghyun. Um, who was 27 years old, and I was just really confused. And then I clicked on the news on my phone, and I saw that uh, Kim Jong Un, a lead singer from a K-pop group that I really liked called Shiny, was found unresponsive in his apartment uh, due to monoxide poisoning after sending a text to his sister. Naturally, <laughs> I was shocked. I think at the time I might have been 19. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was 19 years old, and I was just confused I was obviously saddened I didn't understand because when you saw Jung Hyun he emitted this just bright aura about himself he always wanted to help people he always wanted to be happy and in his radio show he always 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 talked about the other kids in society and specifically in his like age group about how hard it is to you know feel just depths and depths and depths of loneliness. Um, he never outright said depression. He, he just always described it as just a whole, a feeling of loneliness and a hole in the body. And I just, you know, you see these things and people talk about depression and you never really think that it's going to happen to anybody. And then obviously there, there was a surge of media all over this guy. Um, and then a few fans ended up taking their own lives because of just how much they felt for him. Unfortunately, because of the frequency in, in, in suicides in South Korea, it's, it's hard to, you know, stop everyone from doing it. It's one of the leading cause of deaths in, 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 uh, in teenagers and adolescents. And you wonder why, you know stuff like this happens and then you then you realize that South Korea is one of the top in education but then you start to wonder okay so if they're in the top of education you know how why is it so bad you know if they're doing so well if they're excelling in school and they're getting into the 
their respective jobs and getting good money. So why is it that they feel the way that they do? I think personally, before we can get to uh, adult suicides, we need to address what you know the high schoolers go to more specifically in education. Um, in education, education in South Korea is a bit hardcore. Um, there are cram schools for students that don't do that well. Obviously, uh, school in South Korea goes from Monday through Saturday instead of Monday through Friday, like their Western compatriots. And at the end of all this studying, studying that they've prepared for three, four years now, they take something that's called the CSAT, which is the College Scholastic Ability Test, which is also also known as just regular college entrance exams. But these aren't just any entrance exams to these students. You know, this is the defining moment of their life. They have studied years and years and years for this exact moment that could honestly ruin their life if they don't pass it. You know, when you think about, in America specifically, our SAT and our ACT, we don't have such a restrictive um, thought process about it. You know, if we fail the SAT or ACT or we don't get the grade we want, we can just simply retake it or just, you know, and it's one of the first things that the proctor tells you. It's do not freak out about it. You know, just it's a test. If you can retake it, retake it. It's fine. You'll be good. Some students um, were interviewed by The Atlantic, and uh, they basically asked them opinions about their entrance exams and how they felt about it and just the general hype that they feel. And, you know, uh, one of the main things that they do, uh, the schools do, is the underclassmen come and cheer for their upperclassmen. They cheer for them, tell them that's, you know, they got this. You know, they stick taffy on the walls to, for good luck for their college that they want to get to. Some even go to different shrines and churches and pray to gods to get a good grade, to get into the university that they want. And um, another thing that I found interesting was how the teachers presented this CSAT, how they thought about the CSAT. Um, a lot of the teachers said, you have to prepare for this, you know. If you don't prepare for this, you're screwed. You're, you can't amount to anything if you don't prepare for this appropriately. Um, obviously, a lot of those students uh, freaked out when they heard it, you know, which led to this either obsession with studying or if you go on the other side of the spectrum, it's just, you know, what's the point? I'm not going to study at all. Um, in another article, two girls were killed themselves by jumping off of a bri bridge with a simple note that just simply said, we hate school. That was it, you know, and that alone can just tell you the severity of how important school is and how much stress that these kids are going through. The CSAT is so important, not only in schools, but for the country. You know, if you take into consideration the fact that there are top in the world for education, obviously Korea wants to keep that title, you know, so it's even more stress, you know, and the Korean, the South Korean government has even uh, told airlines and airplanes to not fly during the CSAT because it will distract the students. That's just how much power they have, you know. Imagine the United States saying, all right, nobody in this country can fly a plane at all until everybody is done with the ACT and SAT, just so that they, the students, are unable to be distracted. You know, that just, it's a shock. It's crazy to even think about. 
flooring and grounding all these planes just so that these kids can have a fair shot of not being distracted and having 100% focus on their tests. Obviously, you know, you can see how this can affect mental health and just uh, issues even within families about not being able to, you know, put as much effort as they would want. You know, there are people that have test anxiety. There are people that don't do well in a pressure, high pressure situation like that. A lot of students obviously think about just taking their lives. You know, it's much more easier to them to just take their lives and uh, instead of just taking a college entrance exam, you know, and that's just what's terrifying that because of this, Korean government has implemented things that they call uh, suicide experience centers, which is basically coffins, rows and rows, rows, rows of coffins set up in order to uh, experience and to um, simulate, that's the word, simulate suicide. You know, these people, these kids, they sit in they don't sit, they lay in the coffins and they have their parents come mourn them as if it were, as if they were actually dead in order for them to feel, you know, what it's like to actually die. With South Korea being so strong in their values of being filial and being good sons or daughters, you know, obviously that messes, not necessarily messes, but that does have some, it have some influence on whether or not you're being a good daughter by just taking your life or a good son by just wanting to end it all. So with the CSAT out of the way, say a student has, you know, passed it with flying colors, you know, they're in their college, they're in their university. Great. Awesome. Fantastic. They're upcoming their freshman year of high school. They're excited. They're happy. And then all of a sudden their students start to look different, especially in the circumstance in which someone from outside of Seoul, someone maybe from a rural area like Busan or something like that, start to come in to their schools and they see, you know, that they all kind of look different. Not different bad, but just beautiful, just gorgeous and just have beautiful faces and just they look different. According to Business Insider, there were approximately 980,000 recorded operations in 2014. That's 13 procedures per 1,000 people. I think it should be also important to mention that I'm in no place to judge these people. You know, um, I am 100% for plastic surgery. You know, if you want to do plastic surgery and you feel comfortable and you want to feel better, that's completely, perfectly fine, you know. But it, I think it's also important to mention that South Korea is also one of the leading countries in plastic surgery. You know, a lot of people from the United States also fly over to, you know, South Korea because of how advanced their plastic surgery operations are. This article also mentioned that because of half of Korea's population lives in Seoul, there's a huge competition. You know, people that are more attractive end up getting more uh, job offers and they end up looking better on their resumes. And that's another thing, you know, in our resumes, typically we don't usually have our picture in our resume. Usually we wait until the first meeting to, you know, look at someone. And I won't say that we don't take looks into account, but, you know, it's definitely not something that we endorse. But in South Korea, we have, they have pictures on their resumes to make sure that they look okay, you know, and it's all about public image, you know. If you want somebody to come to your company, you almost want them to look pristine, clean, and just like the natural, not natural, but um, just the national beauty standard that they have. It's 100% important to also um, mention that this isn't just a women's issue, you know. 
um, women aren't the only ones that get plastic surgery. Um, a certain doctor from Business Insider that, you know, didn't want to disclose his information confirmed that at least 50 to 20% of his clients were actually men that come in to do routines such as um, double eyelid surgery, jaw reconstruction, um, body contouring, stuff like that to make sure that they look good for just something as simple as a job interview, not even as, not even their wedding, you know? I think it's also hard to see, you know, with the sudden media boom in K-dramas and K-idols, you know, people, you know, people look, you, you see your favorite idol and they look different, you know, they look different than you, which leads to body issues that no one is really a stranger to at this in this day and age, you know, here in America, you see Megan Fox, and you think, well, maybe if I pull my nose up, you know, Botox, Angelina Jolie, you know, stuff like that. It's the same thing overseas. And with it just being so prominent, you know, there are billboard signs of it, of, of being able to get surgery, of what you could look like, a before and after. And it's upsetting. You know, you see it in school. You, you're in college, you see it, your friend talks about her nose surgery, her double eyelid surgery. Um, a lot of the times, plastic surgeries are given as graduation gifts or, or um, what is it called, birthday gifts. You know, it's encouraged. It's, it's, it's often expected even, as we mentioned before, when people look at your resume and they think, oh, you know what, if she had looked like this, maybe we would have given her the job. It's one thing to escape your family. It's one thing to escape, you know, your peers at school, you know, but it's... It's hard to it's harder to escape if it's constantly in your face. You see idols, the K idols that talk about their their personal plastic surgery, or um, the billboards that you see just walking to the mall or just shops, random shops, people giving out flyers. You know, it's one thing to try to ignore people telling you, but it's another thing. For people tell you, you know, you'd look better if your nose weren't just a tiny bit crooked. I'm not saying that plastic surgery is a bad thing, as I said before, you know. But in a place where plastic surgery is encouraged or even uh, at the same time expected, I I have to say that sometimes it can lead to, lead to negative repercussions. You know, mentally or physically, you know, you're never safe from expecting something out of someone. Korean media and propaganda is another thing. But um, as I mentioned before, K-stars and K-idols are extremely popular, you know, and good for them. But, you know, the same way Justin Bieber got married led to several suicides. It's the same scale in Korea, but sometimes even worse. You know, we've mentioned Jong Hyun and his death, but there was um, Unju when in 2004, 2003, when she uh, killed herself as well, with such a dedicated fan base. Um, in 2014, when I was still in high school, a member of a, another popular K-pop group uh, called Super Junior, one of the members, got married. And after that, five girls ended up taking their own life because, you know, the way that these K-idols are trained, they're supposed to be for the audience and for the audience only. So that led to a sense of betrayal and almost a sense of grief that instantly was triggered Second, the second that they heard that he had gotten married, not only behind their backs, but had been married for 
at least six or seven years. It's kind of hard to figure out where, you know, this influx of suicides, you know, start. Um, Obviously, we've learned from psychology that the more you expose suicide, the more... uh, the more attention you give it, the more it, it, it expands and the more it spreads, you know, kind of like some sick mental virus. You know, it, it somehow seeped in people's heads the same way that when 13 Reasons Why came out, there was an infinite amount of people that were killing themselves in the exact same way that the main character in that show took her own life. Um, am I saying that's the cause for all these suicides? No. Again, it's it's difficult to pinpoint it to just one uh, circumstance, you know, that with education and with media and with um, just exposure to it, knowing these kids know that it's an option, you know, and it's, it's not a good thing. It's actually really sad to know that there are kids as uh, young as six years old that are even taking their lives more than cancer would. Am I saying that we should focus more about South Korea's education appeal? No. Am I saying that we should change North South Korea's um, media control? No. I'm not saying any of these things. I'm just saying these things to make sure that people are aware of it. You know, you can't just keep pushing this uh, very harmful idea that Asians are just naturally smart. You know, it's a, it's a common thing. People always are diminish their accomplishments by saying, oh, well, you're Asian. You're supposed to be smart. You know, it's harmful to say those things because we see in other Asian cultures how hard and how, you know, dedicated they are to their schoolwork. Not only because they want to succeed and they have this immense pressure on them, but because in a way they've been branded and they've been, you know, fed this seed that has grown into almost an existential crisis. If they if they don't work hard, then what do I do? You know, so... um. I'm not making a public service announcement, but just be aware that, you know, um, people that have good grades aren't doing it because they're inherently just all of a sudden, you know what, I'm good at math. They're doing this because they're working hard for something that they want and mainly just to be a functioning human being in society. So yeah, that's that for that this episode. Um, I'll see you guys again next week where we're going to talk about narco states in Mexico and the romanticization of uh, narco lifestyle on Instagram and in music. That's it for this one, you guys. I'll see you guys next week and uh, just keep your eyes open.